This is Hubwonk. I'm your host, Joe Salvaggi. Hubwonk is a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a Boston-based policy think tank. Each week, I will bring you conversations with thought leaders who are working to make our lives better in Massachusetts. We've launched the Hubwonk in April 2020 amid the challenges of a pandemic. The coronavirus has made public health and safety top of mind for everyone. In this episode, we will talk with Costa Ligris, attorney and entrepreneur. Costa has been on the vanguard of helping a profession on the front lines of COVID-19 epidemic, one that may have been overlooked, attorneys. While many contracts can now be e-signed remotely, other vital contracts involving estate planning and the selling of property require in-person attestation. This requirement puts many attorneys and their clients at risk of exposure to coronavirus. Mr. Ligaris is working to tackle that risk through legislative reform advocacy. Costa helped draft legislation and even attempted to promote an executive order to temporarily change many of the existing requirements. Joining me from Pioneer is Mary Connaughton, Director of Government Transparency. Mary will share her perspectives on the challenges of government reform here in Massachusetts. Mary served as a director of the Massachusetts Turnpike Authority, Mass Commission on Judicial Conduct, and as the chief financial officer at the Massachusetts State Lottery. Mary has a deep appreciation for obstacles facing reformers at every level of administration. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you, Joe. It's great to be here and part of Hubwonk. Well, I'm thrilled to have you and to have you join me in our conversation with Costa. I've known Costa for many years. I do know him to be a, uh, a passionate advocate for his clients, for his industry, uh, for his own attorneys. Uh, it's great to see him busy uh, tackling a new challenge. Uh, you, Mary, you're a reformer. Uh, you know uh, what it takes to make things happen on Beacon Hill. What do you think Costa is up against? Well, it's an uphill battle, but when you describe him as passionate, it will take passion to get anything done on Beacon Hill and commitment. And from everything I've heard about Costa, he is the kind of guy that can get something done. But it moves slowly. You know, we've, done, we've moved quickly on many things related to this crisis. The health and safety of the public has come first. We've made great strides there. But there are other things that we could still do to make businesses and make the public more comfortable in their day-to-day -day functioning that's still, you know, they're, they're not top priority, but they're really important to get done. And I think we're at that stage where the government is really starting to look at other things outside of just the basic health, which is so important, but looking at other ways to keep the economy going and or get it up and running better uh, than it is right now. Well, we're about two months into this uh, terrible epidemic. And uh, uh, of course, we've seen the safety uh, notices, the governor's announcement uh, yeah. every day. Um, Give us a sense as, a, as someone who's got her finger on the pulse of Beacon Hill. What are we doing right? What are some of the reforms we've done so far to protect people? Uh, and where do you see, uh, where, where, where else could we improve? I think we've done great in terms of having people stay home. I mean, I was driving in Boston. I had to go there for uh, another matter, not to visit anyone, but to, to go to our old office to get some documents. And there was no one on the streets. There's, it was easy parking, easy drive to Boston. But I... I Walking the neighborhood, I saw many people with masks, which is great. Uh, so we, the, the public really is following what it's supposed to do, at least from where I could see. Um, so we've made great straight strides along those lines. I think we've accommodated uh, our businesses well with uh, remote, remote Zoom meetings and things like that. Mm -hmm. So things are going as well as can, they can. But, um, you know, in terms of making it easier for people, government has done a couple of great things. The first was... Um, 
extending the tax filing deadline to July to be consistent with the IRS's deadline. I mean, getting stuff done by April 15th is no easy task for people, especially in these circumstances. Additionally, filing one's taxes could provide, could be you know, dangerous because you're at risk going to your accountant's office. Many people grab all the receipts, put them together in the shoebox, head over to their accountants and expect the accountant to come out with a, with a tax return for them. Now that process is something that might not all be all that safe for people. So it was great that the state extended that deadline. Additionally, you know, government, municipal and state still has to function. You know, permits need to go out for, for the uh, municipalities that are still constructing um, and various other meetings still have to happen so people can get paid and, and uh, you know, the public safety isn't compromised. So the government also passed some um, laws that would allow open meeting law to be um, toned down in some areas to allow for remote meetings and things like that while maintaining controls. So these are great things that were done so we could still function, so we can do the basics, so we can emerge from this uh, well and strong, both economically and from um, you know, a government functioning perspective. But we still have ways to go. There are other things that need to be done, maybe not quite so high priority, but still really important to a lot of people. And I think that's where COSTA comes in. It's people like COSTA that will get things done. Well, Mary, you've set the stage well. So after a brief musical break, we will be joined by our guest, Costa Ligre. Okay, we are back. This is Hubwonk. I'm Joe Salvaggi with Mary Connaughton of Pioneer Institute. We're with Costa Ligris. Welcome to the show, Costa. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, Costa, before we jump into our topic, uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about what brought you to Boston and uh, perhaps tell our listeners something about the first firm you began. So, born and raised in Boston, um, went to under, I did my undergrad here. I went to law school here. I went to business school here. Um, but I started um, Ligris and Associates, which ultimately became Ligris in 2005. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, built and ran the firm uh, as a both regional um, uh, title and settlement and legal services company here in, uh, in Boston, New England, New York, and Florida and beyond. Costa, I know even as a real estate attorney, when you were practicing, you were already looking at ways to streamline the closing process, which we all know can be a real bear for many people. Can you tell us why having documents notarized is so important? And tell us about your early innovations in that area, including your new adventure, I guess a couple of things, I guess, to point out there, it's a multidimensional question. I've always looked at problems in a very systemic way as a scientist or an engineer would. And uh, when I got into the real estate world, there was just so much fragmentation. It was just really difficult to stay organized and, and, and keep track of things. And so I brought a, uh, you know, wearing my scientific lens, I looked at the processes to how we could streamline things and make them more efficient, more secure, re repetitious things didn't need to be repetitious starting from scratch every, every single time. Um, the concept of notarization is actually really interesting because when you break it down, um, the two most critical components of, of the function of a, of a notary and a notar an act of uh, notarization are to identify the person is who they say they are, uh, and then to take some sort of an attestation um, depending on the, on the type of document. Either you know, the contents are truthful, as you would in an affidavit, or I'm signing it as my free act indeed. Um, as we would an acknowledgement for like a mortgage or a deed or something like that. 
Now, Costa, I, I find this really puzzling and fascinating at the same time. I've read that 42 other states have adopted remote notarizations, and Massachusetts is the only holdout among New England states. Now, why is that? So, um, great question. Uh, I will tell you that obviously, you know, considering Massachusetts, especially, you know, Kendall Square and, uh, you know, Cambridge, uh, even the 128 belt um, to be a really an innovation hub. Um, we're, we're at the forefront of so many things. Um, I'm embarrassed to say that we haven't taken uh, an action in this direction. Uh, Massachusetts is also uh, a small handful of states uh, that remain attorney-centered states with respect to conveyancing and real estate transactions. Costa, that's valuable background. I appreciate why we need live attestation and why an attorney may need to be in the room. But let's bring the conversation back to our COVID-19 situation where we're trying to flesh out why we need changes in our law. Costa, which contracts can be done remotely using eSign and which contracts or which transactions must have the attorney or the notary face-to-face? Are we talking about all wills and all home purchase and sales? Yeah, I mean, great question. So there's a lot of different types of transactions that require notarization, uh, including but not limited to real estate, but also, uh, you know, wills, durable powers of attorney, healthcare proxies. I mean, these are, these are documents that are super critical in, the, uh, in, in, in somebody's estate plan. And now in, in face of a, a global pandemic, such as COVID-19, you know, we're dealing with situations and instances where our healthcare providers, they're on the front lines, and it's not like they can stop what they're doing and go and meet with their estate planning attorney to sit down and have a will notarized um, and witnessed and uh, trust documents to, to prepare their estate, um, you know, in the event of, of, of the worst possible scenario, which is also inevitable for all of us. I mean, um, and so the reality is uh, when you start, you know, peeling the onion and looking at that, uh, you're asking a healthcare worker to stop what they're doing, which is either on the front lines, you're helping people that are faced with, with illness on this pandemic or taking care of themselves and their families when they're not in the hospital setting. And you're asking them to go now and meet with somebody. And now you're adding that element of the fact that these, these healthcare workers are getting massive, you know, huge viral loads of exposure. And you're asking them to go sit with, with an attorney or a paralegal or other witnesses in a room to effectuate this. And, you know, the mockery of this has been, you know, there's people that are tweeting, oh, you know, we're doing drive-by closings now. And they're, they're signing on the hoods of cars and so on and so forth. And frankly, I'm sorry to be so, so blunt, but I think it's reckless. You know, this is not an industry where we know how to properly... Uh, put on a respirator and how to properly remove it. And the risk of contact when you're removing a respirator, for example, like an N95 mask, is, is great when you're touching the exterior of that. And we are not trained as notaries or as attorneys or as paralegals um, to be doing that. And frankly, we shouldn't be. So we're trying to keep attorneys and their clients, many of whom are doctors on the front lines, we're trying to keep everybody safe. What does a remote transaction look like uh, and what do you think meets the bare minimum of safety? Yeah, so, um, you know, just to be clear, uh, there's a couple of different elements of this sort of remote concept. And uh, there's, there's the concept of uh, like a fully remote cl- closing or fully remote execution, which is we witness each other on audio video, but also the documents are signed digitally. And then there's this concept of a, of a hybrid, which is we meet online, I go through documents with you, I explain things to you, but you still sign wet. Uh, wet signature on your end, you send them back to me, I affix things with a wet signature. And that is the, the bulk of the executive orders that we've seen in New England and New York right now. 
that is the process. Um, the industry loves acronyms maybe more than medicine does. And uh, this is now being called uh, AVON, which stands for Audiovisual Online Notarization. Um, or Fannie Mae is now calling it RIN, R-I-N, which I believe is Remote Ink-Based uh, Notarization. Um, and so uh, there is a distinction between the two. But yeah, so generally speaking, Joe, in the past, uh, I just want to, you know, sort of, you know, when you sign a closing package for, uh, for a real estate transaction, for example, you might sign 150 times. You know, it might only be five or six or seven documents in that stack that actually require notarization. The rest don't require notarization, but they're still, uh, they, they are still uh, traditionally done in person in these states because we don't typically separate the documents and have you execute twice. Uh, plus, we make ourselves available as closing professionals to explain documents to you. Okay, so Costa... I hear that you uh, tried to encourage Governor Baker to execute an executive order along these lines. What happened with that? Yeah, so at the beginning of this pandemic, uh, something like 15 to 20 different real estate lawyers and law firms from greater Boston reached out. Uh, we started a, an email thread. Honestly, the amount of collaboration and camaraderie that existed was really overwhelming. And considering I've been retired for about a year from actively practicing law, pursuing technology ventures, um, I just couldn't sort of sit back and not do anything and um, started taking some of these concerns and inquiries. And I, I just went, you know, uh, pen to paper and drafted a draft executive order, tried to get it um, up to the state house for, for review by the governor um, or more specifically really his team. Um, as you can imagine, of course, there's so many things that the governor, the governor's office is, is dealing with. Um, and so some indications of uh, early indications were that, um, there was concern whether or not the governor actually had the authority to do this by executive order. And uh, that's when uh, several state senators, um, uh, Senator Brownsberger and Senator uh, Tarr, uh, became actively involved in looking at legislative efforts to, to do this. Okay, so if their legislative efforts were successful, what would that mean on, and how to improve attestations? Yeah, so um, the... As you can imagine, there's, a, there's a, obviously a process, and I've learned a lot about um, legislation through this process. Uh, I am not I'm the furthest thing from a politician. Uh, for me, it's a spectator sport. But, um, <laughs> but I, I'm not so sure at Costa. I, I, you know, you're selling yourself short. You are uh, quite a politician, but go ahead. Uh, Joe, I might be a diplomat. There's a big difference. There. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, how would things change? I think right now what we're seeing uh, in terms of what the comfort would be for a lot of people, um, especially in the real estate industry uh, in Massachusetts is this concept of really just removing the piece that requires that in person, I appeared before me in person to just appear before me, maybe virtually, <laughs> um, but still maintaining the same requirements for lawyers to do real estate transactions, the same requirements to verify the identity through um, government-issued ID, personal knowledge, or credible witness, the same requirement to ask those questions like, are you signing this as your free act indeed? And me making a determination as a notary using technology, like this live synchronous audio video meeting that we're having today, as opposed to sitting across from you and uh, having your respiratory droplets. Um, <laughs> which I, I hear now if you cough, could spread up to 26 feet. I suppose you've seen the proposed legislation uh, and again, the wheels of, of progress turn perhaps slowly on Beacon Hill. Are you confident that if this gets passed, uh, that your colleagues in the legal profession and the clients and you know, everybody associated with it, will they be safe or safer anyway? 
Well, you know, taking from the words of, uh, of our president, uh, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I do believe that, uh, you know, r removing or minimizing any person-to-person -person contact where appropriate and where possible um, seems to be the general consensus of epidemiologists and physicians and scientists um, that I've talked to uh, about this. So Costa, we're getting close to the end of our conversation. Uh, I wanna give you the opportunity to talk directly to those legislators or perhaps the governor who may be listening to this podcast. Uh, if you wanna convey one concept, one idea, one thing to take away from this uh, conversation that you want to have leave a lasting impression with them or some action you want them to take, what would that be? What I think really needs to be impressed upon people is that what we're looking for right now, what we're asking for right now, what we need right now is some temporary measure to protect people. This is not a perfect solution. We know that. We appreciate it. It's not time to boil the ocean. I think stealing from Senator Tarr, um, he had a great quote the other day in, in, the, in, the, in the press, which is perfect is not the enemy of good. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really, really important to realize that this is a temporary order to protect the, the people in the Commonwealth, but still allow them to conduct financial transactions, estate planning transactions during this pandemic. And I really urge our legislators, our governor, to really carefully consider that um, and understand that this is, not, uh, this is not a time to posture. It's not a time for politics. It's a time to make tough decisions. And uh, that's what leaders need to do. And sometimes you have to make decisions that may not be absolutely perfect, but at the time, uh, um, they're the right thing to do um, for the right reasons. Great, Costa. Can you just um, tell me a little bit about your firm, Stavi, and how it's holding up under the lockdown? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Stavi is my technology company, and um, we're building, uh, we're a fintech company based here in Boston, and we're building technology for um, real estate and financial services. Um, our latest product, Stavi Notarize, um, just launched this week in New York, New Hampshire, and Connecticut which are all jurisdictions that have these emergency orders in place. And it gives tools to, um, to notaries in those jurisdictions, uh, even in Connecticut, one of the most conservative attorney bar related real estate states to use our platform to identify individuals and conduct real estate uh, transactions online. And so we're excited about that. We're very optimistic about the future. Um, it is very rare for, for me to be managing a team. I'm very hands-on as Joe knows um, in terms of how I run my businesses. Um, and it's very frustrating that I'm not in the same environment as my team, but we are all doing well and using the power of modern technology to communicate um, and are really excited about what the future holds. So we're doing well um, and we're very optimistic. Uh, what should someone who hears this uh, podcast and wants to affect change or help you in your, in your efforts, what should they do? Should they write their legislator, the governor? Should they, uh, you know, what, what can be done uh, to make our, uh, to deputize our listeners in, into advocates to help you? Absolutely. Um, I urge everyone to jump online. If you don't have, if you don't know who your state reps or state senators are, you can Google them. As a matter of fact, it's really easy to do that. Um, and go ahead and, and, and call them, reach out to them. Let's all drive them crazy and tell them how important this is that we want to protect uh, ourselves. We want to protect our, our attorneys. We want to protect our doctors, our nurses, uh, and everyone out in the field that is, uh, that is fighting to get us through this. So. Well, I think we have our headline. Call your legislator and make him crazy. That's, that's it. <laughs> um, so, okay. Thank you very much for joining us on Hubwonk, Costa. I appreciate your time and uh, I hope you stay safe and uh, lots of luck to you in the future. Thank you both for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, most uh, health to you and your families and your loved ones and to all your listeners. 
Thank you, Costa. Same to you. Well, Mary, what did you think of Costa's efforts to reform the contract process here in Massachusetts? Well, he certainly has a personality to get it done. His shiny personality comes right through. He knows what he's talking about. He knows his stuff inside out. He has the great incentive to, to make this happen, to improve the lives of people in the Commonwealth by uh, trying to get legislation through and supporting that legislation. So, you know, people that uh, do not have wills or do not have... Um, healthcare proxies or need to close on a real estate transaction, they could still do so in the state of lockdown. And that is, takes the anxiety away from so many people that are experiencing anxiety, not only from the p pandemic, but wondering if they have all their ducks lined up for whatever purpose that might be and being held back because they don't want to put themselves or their loved ones at risk by visiting someone face to face to get something notarized. So the work that he's doing really is, um, is really important, and um, I'm hoping that he is successful in his efforts. Yes, I, I'm glad he brought up uh, all the different dimensions of where this, uh, this uh, change uh, will, will improve. Uh, of course, we thought about the uh, estate planning, and people are very worried about their health. The last thing they want to worry about is also their estate plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, real estate transactions, uh, there's certainly a lot of people who need to move or need to buy or sell that are involved here. So what I'm particularly thrilled is that Costa was able to remind us that we're not just passive listeners. Our listeners can do something about uh, this uh, challenge. They can pick up the phone and contact the legislator and, and ask them to, to move forward with this, with this reform. So uh, I hope we've been able to uh, activate some of our listeners and maybe in some small way Hubwonk can... Uh, can make uh, uh, Massachusetts a little bit better. Right. Legislators listen when they get calls. They listen when they, they, when they get emails, when they get um, visitors, which they're not going to get right now, but they respond when their constituents have an issue and they want a positive result. And so now is the time for them to, to be heard. Well, that's great. Yes, this is certainly not an academic question. This is real life, real life and death, unfortunately. So thank you very much for joining the show, Mary. You've been a great asset. I really appreciate your help. Well, it's a pleasure to be part of Hubwonk, and we wish you the best of success. We're very happy with the way it's gone, gone so far, and we look forward to a great, great future. This has been Hubwonk. I'm Joe Salvaggi, your host. If you've enjoyed this show, there are three ways to support it. You can give us a five-star review. You can subscribe to the podcast and you can share it with others. I welcome your comments and suggestions if you email me at hubwonk at pioneerinstitute.org. This podcast is from Pioneer Institute. Please consider becoming a member and supporting our research at pioneerinstitute.org. Please join me again next week for another episode of 